This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9 our culture vulture correspondent Alistair Anderson joins us today. Alistair, how are you doing? Good, how are you Benji? I am doing very, very well, thank you. And uh, we're talking about post-corona Johannesburg. We're having a um, a bit of a, a dip in waves. I see that the Deputy Health Minister came on today uh, to a press release saying that things are still looking uh, uh, reasonably good. Um, what is your feeling about where the city is at post-COVID-19 uh, so, so far? I mean, we, we may still see another wave. I think we, we better accept now that uh, if people who wanted to get vaccinated have been vaccinated. Um, so, if they, if, you know what I mean? I think the vaccine rollout is done. Um, and the only way they're going to get more people vaccinated is if they, they enforce it somehow, because, uh, which is a bit scary, but that's my kind of opinion on it. Um, hopefully there won't be a severe fourth wave, but there will be a fourth wave. Um, I mean, it, it started in Europe again. Uh, there's quite a number of football players actually last week were in quarantine because they were getting corona. So those are some of the, um, the leading German players couldn't play. You know, you play in the Premier League because um, they couldn't play nationally. So, yeah, I'm, I'd be a bit worried. Um, but as far as the actual city goes, it's pretty much back to normal. Um, it's, it's, it's like pre-corona now. Everyone's out in the streets. Places are opening up. Uh, I mean, I think some people just aren't going out. But, yeah, if you go to any bar, any club, uh, there's no masks. And, you know, people have decided it's, it's livelihoods over corona now. So people are working. People are partying. It's silly season's coming. I think it's going to be um, pretty crazy. So what is your view about how the sort of cultural sector in Johannesburg is doing? I mean, people are out, but, you know, if, if I go out and I want to have a drink somewhere in Johannesburg, I'm, I'm going to struggle on a weeknight to find anything open beyond 8 p.m., to be honest, uh, unless you're going into one of the serious party capitals. Do you think that, for example, places like restaurants are, are maybe holding back on their hours, also waiting to see what, what happens? I think a lot of restaurants are desperate, um, and then they, they are struggling. So if, if you talk to any kind of bar owner or restaurant owner, they'll tell you an extra hour and it'll make all the difference to them. You know, with this 12 o'clock curfew, obviously a lot of places during the week, they'll close even around 10. They'll be putting most rounds of 10. So it is definitely, um, had permanent damage, you know, lockdown on restaurants and clubs, et cetera. You know, anything that was open beyond 12 can't be anymore. Um, so you'll see that a lot of places have closed down um, recently just because they, they couldn't survive. Um, but I guess the idea is that in Christmas season, festive season, things will get busy and people will be going out to eat. Maybe people who haven't been out for a year will go out now. Um, lots of Christmas parties and show are happening. Um, yeah, so I, I think people are really hopeful for that. And then, of course, you've got tourism you know, coming back, and you'll probably have a lot of people moving around, um, so, so, so obviously not going overseas, but going to Cape Town, going to Durban, Plex, etc. So, I, I, yeah, I think it's going to be busy. As far as cultural stuff goes, I mean, it's people are still Netflixing, uh, or they're watching Showmax, or they're, they're watching sport at, at home. You know, we've seen some theaters closed down, but then we've also seen, like, the Jovic theaters now being um, pantomimes, like Cinderella. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of, I think there's a lot of optimism now. But maybe just because South Africans are really tired and we've just had an election and, and we've, we've scored so many own goals recently that I think we just, we're hoping that things go well. I mean, we've got water problems now. 
we've had electricity problems, the country's divided. Yeah, it's a hell of a time at the moment. Now, the one element that you haven't spoken about is, is movies. Uh, Stir Kennecore is in uh, uh, still in business rescue, but it seems that the James Bond franchise seems to have at least upped a little bit of attendance as a, a sort of first blockbuster out of the pandemic. Yeah, so that, that movie's done incredibly well, um, and and I think that, so because people want to experience it, you know, on the big screen. So James Bond is the the last Daniel Craig James Bond. It's a good movie. I've seen it. People are enjoying that. People. Want to come to theaters? You don't have to wear a mask in the in the cinema itself now. You you used to in um, you know stricter COVID levels, but not now in level one. Um, and then June, which I also saw, which is absolutely brilliant, um, probably the best film of the year. That also has to be seen in a cinema. It's just not, you mean you, you you can watch these things on stuff like HBO Max and Netflix. We don't have access to all those things in South Africa. They use a VPN, but it's not the same as sitting in a cinema. I think people are missing going to events. Seeing other humans, you know, we, humans are social animals, and that's pretty much what's happened. So we're getting over it, and you'll see a lot of these Hollywood movies are not going to come out like the new Matrix, the new Top Gun. They're going to come out in theaters, and not just on streaming services. Now, what about music? Uh, as the, you know, really big concerts, people getting together, lots of dancing, etc. Are we seeing the live music scene making a comeback as well? No. So uh, live music's really at, it's on its knees in South Africa. Um, People are trying. There's a venue called Stonehenge, which is in um, Australian Park. It's probably got the best sound in the country. It's definitely the best sound in Johannesburg. That's like a rock, um, dance, jazz venue. I've seen a few shows there. I was at one on Friday. The Tasers played. They were exceptional. About 50 people there. But, but yeah, we, we don't have those massive um, concert events yet. I mean, as far as I know, the last sort of big international thing was AHA, which was last year in February, around Valentine's Day, just before the pandemic. Um, I know the JPO has had a couple of um, shows this year, but it's you know it's limited capacity, and obviously given the the age of you know visitors there, you have to come with a COVID um, certificate that you've been vaccinated or proof of a test within the last three days that you've had a COVID test. So it's slow to return the live music, and it's sad because I think a lot of musicians and artists are struggling, and we really do need some kind of big event. Uh, where you can you know, fill a stadium. But I guess it's not at that point yet because our vaccination numbers are just embarrassing. Yeah, and, and I wonder whether there is an opportunity to have the cultural sector kind of support that in some way. And we've seen it with sport, uh, I think with soccer, where you can get uh, into stadiums, for example, if you have been vaccinated. Do you think that that's likely to be something that incentivizes people in terms of cultural exchange as well? Well, it could, it could definitely incentivize the youth. You know, I think if you said, like, sure, that, that, that Cardi B was supposed to come here last year, but obviously there was, you know, the pandemic. If Cardi B came and they said, you know, you can only go watch Cardi B if you're vaxxed, then I think that would be great. But unfortunately, as you know, there's a lot of anti-vaccination rhetoric. Um, you know, we've seen this even from senior people in universities that don't believe people should force vaccinations. But it, it's quite amazing. I mean, if you look at a place like Austria, you see now they're trying to impose a lockdown on people who haven't been vaccinated because they're unhappy with their vaccine numbers. I think they're about 60-odd percent, um, which sounds quite draconian, but at the same time, it is necessary. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the government needs to get more creative with how it's going to encourage people to get vaccinated. I think they've done the, the part where they've locked us down. That was, you know, we had a harsh lockdown. It was hectic. They had the stuff cigarettes and alcohol. And, you know, it was really hard for but now I think they need to get creative of how they're going to get people back. So I know in places like Israel, they were giving 
was, you've got like a burger, you've got a pizza for the family, you've got a vaccination. I think we need to start doing those things because, you know, it's, it, they can't say they want 70% or 80% of the country back by the end of the year when they're nowhere close to that. I mean, are they, are they really kind of embarrassed their citizens? I don't know. So I'm, I'm incredibly pro-vaccination, but yeah, I just think we need to get creative with what we're doing. We're chatting to Alistair Anderson. He is our cultural critic that comes on the show from time to time. You're listening to The New Blue Review. This is The New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9 High FM. I'm Benji Shulman. This is The New Blue Review. And we're talking today to Alistair Anderson. He is a cultural critic, works for PR, Razor PR. And, uh, Alistair, some interesting news on the South African film front. Uh, Michael Matthews, he's a, a writer, producer, and director, and uh, he's been making some interesting waves. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this, this is really positive and awesome news. So this, this guy's from Durban, very young. He um, directed a movie called Five Years for Marseille, which was basically an, an African Western, you know, the first African Western. It was really good, um, and then he went on to make really good Love and Monsters on Netflix, which I absolutely loved it. I watched it earlier this year. It was actually nominated for Oscars in the visual effects category, if I'm correct. And it's just been announced that he's doing Nautilus, which is a Captain Nemo-type series for Disney+. Plus. This guy's just getting work. He's also been um, uh, brought on to direct a Merlin movie. It's great. It's great to see South African talent, and it's what's so nice is it's not just somebody who's making political work. It's somebody that can make really creative work. So, you know, he's not just doing biography, which we tend to do a lot of, and I, I know our history and everything, but it's just cool to see someone doing something really creative and interesting. I highly recommend Love and Monsters on Netflix. It's on there. You said it's called Love and Monsters. Yeah, so that's, that's what he, that's the last movie that he released. Um, it's like a, it's basically a comedy, um, sci-fi thing where, you know, the, the, it's kind of a dystopian world and basically insects become huge. And they kind of take over the world, and then this guy has to, yes, he leaves his lover and he has to go and find, you know, like other humans. It's really entertaining, really um, visually well done. Now it's interesting, uh, interesting you say about the non-political because I'm trying to think who was the last big South African director that that made uh, sort of a big a sort of South African film. I, mean, I suppose in some way you could talk about the the octopus teacher as a documentary, but really in the sort of movie sector as a, as a sort of fiction or non-fiction type thing, really it's it's something like Saucy. I, I can't think of another South African director, maybe District 9. Oh, he, he's yeah, so he's so, new, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I suppose District 9 is the last kind of thing that we got on the map, and that's 10 years ago now, and even more. But I'm 2009, it's 12 years ago that maybe. Um, so it's just cool to see that there are South Africans that are getting getting work and they're getting internationally recognized. There's a lot of talent. Um, we've got some very good cinematographers who come off that work in London, um, people doing work in the States. So you don't always know that someone's South African, but yeah, this is somebody that's very much on the map, Michael Matthews. It's a, it's a name to watch. Um, and it's, just, it's cool. I mean, it's, it's just nice to see people doing creative things in big projects. Um, so what's tended to happen is people come and film things in South Africa, and then they, they, you know, using an international crew, but then they need South African crew, and they're like, actually, I can work with this person, which is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is great. And I see, Alistair, while we're on uh, Netflix and, and large blockbusters, that uh, Gal Gadot has uh, smashed 
Netflix's opening day viewing record for her new film called Red Notice, which is also including Ryan Reynolds and The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Uh, so it's interesting to see that uh, we're starting to see this kind of language entering into the filming space, whereas before we would talk about uh, an opening day at the films, we're now starting to talk about you know, uh, Netflix's opening day viewing. It's, it's a shift in the way we think about how things are distributed. Yeah, so, so I think Hollywood, um, you know, initially they obviously felt Netflix was a bit of a threat, uh, because Netflix, of course, you know, it was, a, it was a DVD rental service and then it became very much TV series and they put old movies on it. But now they're making their own content and I think Hollywood realized that, you know, they have to play with Netflix. They can't fight Netflix, which is why you're having, you know, very big name stars, um, literally being put into Netflix production. You know, the people of that stature, like Gal Gadot or, um, Ryan Reynolds, I mean, you know, there's, those are really the biggest movie stars at the moment, and they've realized that they can just do something for Netflix. Uh, I mean, we, we've seen it even at the Oscars. You know, Netflix, will, uh, Netflix has been, a number of times they get nominated um, for Oscars for Best Picture or at the Emmys. So, yeah, Netflix is very much um, kind of dictating entertainment now. And I think it's because it's, just, it's you know, it's comfortable to watch at home and to watch, you know, with your partner, with family. That's just the reality now. TV doesn't really exist anymore. It's been replaced by streaming, and that's what people like. Not everybody wants to sit in a cinema with the people they don't know. Um, you know, also if you're watching on Netflix, you can pause it, you can go to the park, you can do what you want. So yeah, it's, it's just the reality of technology and how to change the entertainment. Yeah, certainly very, very interesting to see where that goes. And if you are a Gal Gadot fan, apparently Red Notice is about uh, is a, a, com- a comedy thriller about an FBI agent. And a search for art thieves. So if that's your vibe, uh, you should definitely uh, go on and, and watch that. Alistair, any other suggestions of series, things to watch on, on stuff like Netflix at the moment? So um, I'm, I'm in Christian of Killing Eve, a show that I haven't actually seen before. Um, that's Jodie Comer and Sandra Oh. I'm head over heels in love with Jodie Comer, so I'm watching everything that she's in. So Free Guys, the, the movie she was in with Ryan Reynolds, where it's Basically, um, he, Ryan Reynolds plays like an NPC, a non-playable character in a video game, but in a movie. That's a comedy. She's also in a um, couple of movies that have come out this year. Um, one is The Last Jewel, which is very interesting. That's a really Scott movie, and it's, it's shown from three different perspectives. Cause it's all about how a woman is raped by her um, husband's friend, and then it's shown from three different perspectives and has three different writers. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been catching up on that. I know a lot of people have enjoyed Squid Game. Um, I think maybe that's that cultural wave is past now. Uh, yeah, but I'm picking out a few different things at the moment. Uh, you know, we're getting towards the end of the year, so um, I think maybe one show which you, have, you haven't seen, probably the best show on television is Succession. Season three is on at the moment, and I think it's surpasses level quality. It's just exceptionally well, very clever, and brilliantly active. Yeah, that's interesting. In terms of the South African perspective, I was quite surprised to find a Portuguese show uh, on Netflix the other day with some of South African's history on it called Gloria, which is a Cold War uh, set piece, but set in, in Portugal and dealing with the Angolan War and the Mozambican Civil War, which, of course, the Portuguese were involved with in the 60s and 70s, and have a lot of important references for our own country, because obviously uh, the, how those wars panned out affected 
the liberation of our own country. It's, and you don't often see that kind of history depicted uh, in, in, in movies or, or really kind of cin- uh, cinema in general. So I just thought that that was also interesting, uh, these sort of foreign films where you used to have to go watch a, a foreign film based at an embassy are now very readily available on things like Netflix. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fantastic that uh, Netflix is getting clever and they, you know, they're putting content that kind of fits the country that it's in. You know, American Netflix is different to our Netflix um, and you don't just have to watch in American entertainment. There's also a project at the moment where Netflix is trying to get young people to pitch um, South African stories and African stories. Bolivia is under 35. It's on their website. That's quite an amazing concept. You know, you pitch it and then it gets made. So yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's maybe it's the democratization of entertainment and culture that because of technology, you can now be exposed to stuff from other parts of the world. I mean, I'm, my friends were talking yesterday, they were watching, I think, The Rake, which is an Australian law show. It's very entertaining. Um, yeah, so it's just really cool that you have so much, so many options. You don't have to just watch, you know, uh, the same kind of rubbish, you know, as before. Um, I mean, there's maybe one other show I could just highlight, which I watched, I think it was on Amazon or Apple, and that's called Heaven Can Get Himself, and that's, that was quite brilliant. Um, and that's basically, it's, it's a show about a woman who is married to a guy, and half the show is like a sitcom, and half the show is a drama. How, you know, he's abused her, very, very good. The lead actress from um, Just Creek, so the, the daughter shows the lead role. In. Yeah, absolutely. Alistair, thank you so much uh, for joining us and uh, for giving us these insights on the cultural situation in Johannesburg and just what's out there. And we look forward to, to speaking to you again. Thank you. Thanks, Benji. Have a fantastic week. Thank you so enjoy much. The next, enjoy the, the next month before we, you know, before Joburg closes in the middle of December. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is, it is the 15th of, of November, which means that, you know, by the 15th of December, you can start to use the season's greetings, which is we'll chat to you again in January. And uh, but I hope we don't only wait for January to speak to you again. So thank you so much, Alistair. Thanks, Benji. Keep well. Thank you, Alistair Anderson. There, our our cultural critic, uh, and hopefully giving you some things to watch and engage with uh, as you head towards the holiday season.